Get Real with Lisa Crown podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today in my spotlight panel. This is my very first panel of mm-hmm. amazing superstars. Now, I have you noticed my track record, keep interviewing killers around the nation. I just keep doing that because it's fun to pick their brains and hear how they got there and what they're doing and all that great stuff. <laughs> first of all, I have three killers on my, on my line today, but that's not why they're here. This is a panel about three people that were in my coaching program that came with very, very crystal clear goals. Nothing vague, nothing like what everyone wants to hear, what people want from them. They came in with the ultimate crystal clear goal. And they said, these three people in three different states, three different companies, they don't even like, they did, you know, they don't know each other from Adam. They just have a common denominator. And that's that they came into coaching with a clear want and the relentless pursuit to get there. The work was irrelevant. They did not care if I gave them 15 assignments in six days. They didn't care if I said, don't eat, don't sleep, don't talk, don't nothing, just do this. They didn't care because their goal was so big and so clear that their excuses weren't even in the building because their want was greater than all those excuses. They wanted it so bad. All they wanted from me was a formula to get there and a belief that they could do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am beyond honored. And for the record, I had a dream and this vision that these three superstars were here. Why? Because I talk about them in my coaching. So if you are coaching with me, have in the past or are in the future, you will hear me talk about Laura Robbins for Chicago title of Colorado, Debbie Cobb, Chicago title of Washington, and Adrian Adrian with Las Vegas, Nevada. Ladies and gentlemen, give them a round of applause for being here. Oh my goodness. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to ask you some questions because you're a standout to me. I coach over a thousand people in my career and you guys, the three of you stand out. A lot of people stand out because there are people that I coach all over the place, but your three stories come up for me a lot because this is what people want. Like right now, I have new people in my courses that are like, I want to get there. I want to get there now. I want to be number one. I want to be in the, this, that, and the, you know, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, but they don't realize the want comes with a price. The want comes with a mindset. The want comes with a focus and this pursuit. I watched you guys set my coaching bar so high. I can't even see it. I'm so impressed. For example, I do want to go around the room before I get dive into questions. And I want people to know why you're here, why I chose you to be on this specific panel. I'm going to start with Laura Roberts, Chicago title. Laura came to me in coaching and she said, coach, all I want is to beat Bo. That's it. I don't care what I have to do, where I have to go, what I have to sell, what I have to say, what I have to do for work. It doesn't matter. I will listen to everything you say. If you can get me there. Remember, I could say whatever I want. It's in the art of the doing. It's the person, right? I say the spiel all the time, Laura. People have bows all over the nation, Laura. They come to me all the time. I want to kick this person's ass. I want to beat this person. I'm number 10. I want to be one. It doesn't matter. You were like, tell me. 
And I told you, but again, part of me telling you is also me like praying also like, oh my God, <clears throat> is this going to be the magic in that area for what you're looking to do? <clears throat> Laura does all of it. And I'm honestly proud to sit here and say, and I brag about this story all the time. Laura beat Bo. It wasn't once. It wasn't twice. It was numerous amounts of times. She absolutely crushed it and got to fulfill her exact goal. So congratulations on that, Laura. <clears throat> and we're going to come back with questions you. for you. Next one, Debbie Cobb. Oh my gosh. So this was a real, this was a real life challenge for me because um, she asked me for a goal that I didn't even obtain when I was a title sales executive. So um, she's basically asking somebody who didn't get there. Okay. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, we got to really hammer this down. She came to me and said, listen, I'm in the top 10% in the nation. I'm done. I want to be in the top two. I was like, what about the top five? No, I want to be in the top two. Two? You guys, you guys, it is near impossible to get in the top two. Legit, because people hang on to dear life for their seats and we ain't giving them out easy. We worked, I mean, blood, sweat, tears, pound, pound, pound. And this veteran, so I, I have to say, been in the business a long time, went and said, whatever I need to do is the exact thing I'm gonna do to get there. Doesn't hits the top 2%, ladies and gentlemen. For the win. Okay. <laughs> Kick coach's butt. Let me tell you. <laughs> Last but not least, Adrian, brand new, my brand new title sales course, elite degrees where people come in. She was an escrow officer, right? She was an escrow officer, but kind of came in and had to build that business organically. It wasn't like they were handling those clients on over. She had to build it from scratch. And when she came in, super clear. She said, Coach, I said, Yes. She said, I want to be number one at my title company. <laughs> okay, girl. All right. And you, let me tell you something, you guys. I hear that all the time. I hear it all the time. And then I see people's work ethic and it doesn't match. So it's actually not true. The truth is you want to be sixth or you want to be eighth because that's the way you work. Adrian did not want to be, I think she was like four or five out of seven or eight reps. She did not want to be there. She wanted to be one. And she said, I want to be one and I want to be one fast coach. Get me there in under, a, get me there in a year. Thinking, oh, sweet Jesus. Well, then you are going to need to prospect a minimum of two hours a day on the phone every day, relentlessly picking up your phone. Not one excuse. Okay. You do that. You'll get there in one year. Ladies and gentlemen, Adrian was number one. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond. I haven't even heard you guys talk. I can't stop talking because I'm so excited. All right. I'm going to shut up and pass it along because this is what having a clear goal gets you. Excuse, excuses were irrelevant. Um, let's just go around the room really quick so that the audience can kind of hear. Laura, how long have you been in title sales? Uh, for nine years now. Thank you. Debbie. So that's too damn long to mention. Um, I hate this question because I'm always the old lady in the room. Um, shit, half the people probably listening to this have been in, I've been in it longer than they've been alive. But 19, <laughs> 1989, my official title career started. A couple decades. Oh, gosh. But I started just, you know, like five years old in the accounting department right. and then worked my way. Yeah. 
Well, if it makes you feel better, Debbie, I actually started in escrow in 88. So I beat you. She beats you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus. Excellent. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Love it. Adrian. Uh, well, title sales will be five years in this September, um, but in the industry since 2005. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Now, listen, ladies, you had a specific goal clear when you got into coaching and you clearly got there. How did that happen? Debbie, I'm going to start with you. How did you get to the top 2%, which is every person's burning question? Hard work, friends. Hard work. Let me tell you something. So I just told you I'd been in, in, in the title industry in 1989. I started in sales in 1994. Back in 1994, we didn't have coaches. We didn't have a university that taught you title sales, right? Like you were given your day timer and what little knowledge you had and you were sent out the door and you were basically, I would call us service reps, okay? And you went around to your little offices and you left the little things on the desks and you, that's, you know, took a title order and you just kind of did that, right? Fast forward um, to when I started with you, I, I, the one thing I, I feel like I have is a good work ethic, but I felt like I didn't have a plan. I didn't have the tools that I felt I needed in my system or systems to actually propel me to the next level, right? So going into your coaching program, your program now gave me the tools to master my craft and add those nuggets of value and bring it all together. And you got me so organized. I remember when you, I mean, I remember when you're like, you have a thousand customers, you, you know, no, you're going to nail that down to under 400 because you can't do anybody any good doing it that way. So that's, I mean, just having that, like, I'm so goal driven. And I, I like, I wanted top two that I wanted to be number one. I wanted to do that. So I listened to you. I took your tools. I took, I, you gave me the confidence to get to that next level. I love that. Thank you for that. Honestly, yeah. I, you know, I appreciate how you encompass me and how you got there. That's an honor to me. And it's why I keep coming back and coaching because it's people like you that hit a goal I couldn't even obtain, you know? And so thank you for saying that. It's just, it's important that we also hear there was a work ethic there. And you that- have to outwork your, your competition, Lisa, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you get a lot of people, you just said, you have a lot of people that say, I want to be in the top two. I want to be number one. I want to do that. But they don't back that up with putting the work in. And if you want to get to the top, you have to build relationships and you and building relationships and having confidence are going to gain you the respect that top producers are going to want to work with. Okay. So people want to work with people that they have respect for and who have confidence in themselves and who they can trust and count on and like. And so I think you helped bring all that together, but that's truly what it, what, like, you got to focus on that. Love that. Debbie, thank you so much. Adrian in the hot seat, girl, 
<clears throat> tell me you wanted to be number one. How did you make that happen? That goal was so clear, literally super clear. How did well, you get there? I'm a pretty competitive person anyway. Um, and I've always kind of set unrealistic expectations of myself because I know if I don't get there and I fall short, I'll still be better off than where I started. So it's, it's a good thing. Um, you know, I do try to think that way because I know if I fall short, I'll still be ahead of where I wanted to be anyway. Um, so I'm, when I met you, this was, I want to say October of 2016, a month into the sales team, I was escrow for 12 years before I moved to sales. And I need, I was a support staff. I was an assistant. I was never an officer. I was support staff for 12 years. So I also had uh, asked my sales manager, can I move to the sales team? Probably about nine months before I moved over. They had to find a replacement for me. I had to train this assistant. So it took a while. And I was, by the time I got to the sales team, I was fired up. I felt like I had something to prove. Um, I had just finished my associate's degree. So I was a full-time student and I was 10 weeks pregnant. Then Lisa Crown found me, this big old ball of mess, and helped me really organize myself, make sure I was, you know, thinking correctly, my mindset was right, and that was it. She told me what to do, and I did it. You make it sound so easy. You make it sound so easy. Let me tell you something also about Adrian. Adrian, even to this day, she keeps me in the loop. She just kept me in the loop. I just landed this big target. I just opened five new deals from somebody who has been telling me no for a year. I just, I just became number four. I just became number three months, months, months. I just became number two. And when we got that text, I still get the chills of the text that came in. It was in October, right? It was in October of that yeah. next year that I got this text. It's still in my phone. That was like, I did it. I fucking did it. I got their coach. And it was like, I'm number one, I just, I cried. It choked me up right now. I held that, that for not... some time. There is a gal on my team also that we, you know, have a fr very friendly competition. She's probably one of my best friends, um, mm -hmm. but we go neck and neck now. So it's a good thing. She's where, you know, keeps me on my toes too. <laughs> I love it. And I coach her too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So excited. So awesome. Laura, wrap us up on this question really quick. You wanted to be both. You, you saw red girl. It was like, just tell me what I need to do. And honestly, I hear that all the time. I want to beat, I want to beat, I want to beat. How did you beat both? You know, Bo was definitely the golden child, right? And I was number seven or eight and I just saw him there and, oh my gosh, I wanted to be there so bad. And that's what it took, right? So that um, willingness to do the work, because that was back in the days when, when coaching was 15, 16 assignments in a week. I worked weekends. I worked nights. I did, yeah, everything I could. What extra credit? What do I need to do, coach? And you know, just slowly worked my way through it. And I had kind of the same time frame. I think it was October of 2015 of, of when I started coaching. And by July, the following year, I had beat him in openings. And then by August, I beat him in revenue. So it was really quick and then became number one in the company, I think about a year or two later for, um, for Colorado. But it was just what you guys are talking about. It's one thing to ask for that. It's another thing to do, 
right? And to really have that dedication, commitment, and um, work ethic to get the work done that needs to be done to propel you to that goal. Yeah, it's work. First of all, I need to throw a disclaimer. Sorry about the 15 assignments in one week. However, you and Debbie were in my program when I had 15 assignments in six days. The reality is you were being coached by a person who was a killer in sales. I didn't know anything yeah. else than relentless pursuit to work. I wanted to give you 30 assignments. I thought I was being nice giving you 15. Let me add this. If you're in my coaching program today, we have three assignments every two weeks with two extra credits. So I don't want to hear any excuses out there. Okay. These gals did their work every week. Not one excuse. All of them. Um, I just don't do that much work anymore because I realized, you know, it kind of um, made people crazy. But thanks for doing lot. it, Laura, because yeah. you kicked Bo's ass <laughs> over it, sister. <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's let's do this one. So, Debbie, to me, what I'm really promoting right now and pushing and what I've been talking about, I did a podcast about it, is your non-negotiables. Like every day we have to brave air. We have to go to the bathroom. We have to rest. We have to eat. Like there's things we have to do effortlessly every day to keep our, the functionality of ourselves as a human being. What are your non-negotiables in business? Uh, prospecting. We, we're, we're in sales, right? So we got to prospect. Um, I mean... I, I have a certain routine I do every morning. I'm a very early, early riser. I get up every morning at 5 a.m. I spend some time uh, doing some reading and, and prayer and, and all of that. And then, my non and then I start my day at my desk and it is non-negotiable for me to always just prospect, always follow up. So I'm always going through that. You know, um, those are my non-negotiables for the day. So, I mean, I see where you're coming from. When you asked this question, I was thinking more along, what are my other non-negotiables? Like my non-negotiables as well, it just, it's like, like integrity, hard work. I want to have fun every day and I want mutual respect. I do. I will not work with somebody who doesn't have respect for me and nor should you. So mutual respect is really high on my non-negotiables in business. And I think as you become veterans in the business, that and even if you're new, like that is something you got to earn it. But 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 that should be. Sometimes I feel like a sales exec get a little bit beat up, and I I'm just like, no, I'm going to be your partner. So so mutual respect. But, but non-negotiables on daily activities. It's prospecting. It's gratitude. Gratitude is a big one for me. I have my little note cards always right here, making sure my clients know how much I appreciate them. That's a non-negotiable that. for me, for sure. Love that. Thank you for bringing up gratitude too, because prospecting should be everybody's non-negotiable hands down. I'm looking at Adrian, just ready to spit that out right now, girl, look at her. She's ready. Um, I like that you said gratitude because we always have to be living each day from a grateful heart. And that's not just something out of a Hallmark card, you guys, no. that's legit. Like whenever you derail, get into the gratitude space, everything starts to shine. It's amazing. The power behind the gratitude and the effortless. But I do love that you mentioned that you're not going to put up with being disrespected. That, that was, that's like a business boundary. I did a podcast on that because that business boundary is critical mm -hmm. for who you are going to be as a rep. And I love that you said that. Can I Adrian, one thing oh. When it comes to gratitude, Lisa, it's not just our, our clients, it's our inside staff. Okay. 100%. When I moved up in the ranking, yeah. I bought everyone in my, in my um, office, a gift. 
because honestly, I might be up there on the stage getting that award. It is because of the work they also did that made me look good and allowed my clients to continue to use us. So never forget as sales executives, those inside staff are equally your clients. Love and equally your partner. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I'm glad you tapped on that because that is so, so true. And you guys, when you're winning your awards or you're up on stage, give a shout to those people. Um, it makes a really big impact for them. Adrian, what's a non-negotiable for you? Um, uh, Debbie covered most of them. Gratitude, prospecting, that's, uh, that's top of my list. Um, 50 touches before noon. If we're going to get real deep into prospecting, I try to make my 50 touches. And that's, um, I need to up that, to be honest, coach. Um, that happens easily now. I mean, just in conversation, I'm responding to messages, returning voicemails. I mean, I think that happens before nine, 10 o'clock some mornings. So um, always making sure I'm making my touches every day. Um, another one is allow for flex time. What's that's that? something um, that you've taught me. Allow for, um, do we call it flex time? What do we call it? When Gap time. But, yeah. but I know you call it flex, but it's gap time to gap time. So yeah. pick your word. Yeah. Anything right. You want. So allow yourself that five minutes to purge those emails in the car before you take off and drive to your next appointment. Give your time in between to kind of prepare yourself mentally for the next meeting. Some days when you're, you know, I know that I, I fade fast in the afternoon. So I know like after lunchtime are not my top game moments. So after lunchtime, those are like, I'm starting to, my energy decreases. So those are like my follow-ups or quiet time. So I use my energy appropriately um, and book that flex time as needed because I'll get ahead of myself and forget to breathe. So that's probably number one, breathe. Breathe. I like how you say that, which is the other non-negotiable I was talking about, right? Breathing air. We can't hold our breath. It's only going to last for so long. You can't it's just talk not non-negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm going to pivot here, Laura, for a question for you. Talk to me about excuses, feeling off, not in the mood to hustle today, having a bad day, feeling off your game. How do you get back in the saddle when you're, if you think back to your relentless pursuit to beat Bo, how do you get back in the saddle when you're deflated, defeated, just feeling off? Um, caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> that's my first trick <laughs> I love it. you know because we all have those times right whether it be a day a week whatever 2020 right um but it, I try that first seriously is I do try to give myself that little pet for those of us that drink you know caffeine you get it I know coach doesn't but I don't so what um, do you do when you don't yeah so I think the other thing is really taking a look at, okay, what activities are there that I can still accomplish today that maybe I don't have to pick up the phone and give myself just a little bit of grace to where, okay, it's not a good phone day. Um, so what other things, because God knows there's plenty of other things that we can be doing. We can text, we can email, we can get on um, social media. You know, there's so many other activities that go into a day that it doesn't, you know, when we're having that off day, typically it is, you know, where we can't talk and we're on the phone and you don't want to be there. So I kind of just cut that part out and save it to the next day and make sure I make up for it um, by missing it one day. I like how you said, give yourself grace. Talk about that in coaching a lot. I think that's where we mm -hmm. missed the boat. I did. I was like Adrian in the sense that I had 
big relentless, like this is, you know, high expectations for myself. Right. Um, and the, something that I messed up on growing up in title sales was I just never gave myself grace. I work like if I had cramps or I didn't feel good, or I was actually physically sick. I'd be like, Hey, how are you? I'm in a ball with the heating pad. How are you? What can I get for you today? That's that sucks. That's, that's not living your best life. And, and Debbie tapped on having fun and feeling good each day. That wasn't fun and feeling good. Checking in and assessing like today's not a good phone day. It's like, hey, do you know how many times Adrian texts me? She's like, I'm having a shit day. I can't get on the phone. I need to shake it out. Maybe I'll get on later. She just sent me like these random texts. I was like, come on, girl, you got this. Like, give it a break, give it a rest, give it a beat, you know, or do it tomorrow. Don't worry. So her pressure sometimes, I had to talk her off the pressure that was there. And those texts, they come in for a reason because she needed something right there. She honestly needed me to say, give yourself grace, shake it out, do other things. Laura, that advice was spot on. Debbie, you got any uh, strategy when you fall off the wagon, when you're trying to be in the top 2% and then today just turns into shit? Yeah, sure. Okay. So if I'm having a really bad day, if I'm getting rejected, if things are just crap, uh, my biggest strategy is I will get in my car and head to an office where they love me, where they, they love working with me. They're excited to see me. There's nothing better than driving into one of your offices where they're excited to see you. And then you're like, okay, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. You guys, not everyone is going to want to work with you. Okay. You may not want to work with everyone. It's okay. Don't take, I think getting rid of taking things personally is a huge thing to overcome when you're in sales. And it took me a long time to get over that, that feeling and you have to just have that confidence in yourself and know that you are awesome and that you do a great job and that people are darn lucky to work with you. And if they don't, okay, maybe in time they will, right? Like, I think the thing that has served me the best is perseverance too, right? So just because I'm going to tell you a quick little story, a quick little story. I took over an area for a rep who left the company and not such great terms. I was introduced at their office meeting, did not really, I had called in this office a while ago, but one of the agents who was very close to the rep that left, um, called my boss, called, called the county manager and said, nope, she's not going to be a rep. I don't like her. Don't, don't, don't want to work there. Nothing. She'd never met me. She, we'd not even had a conversation. Um, and she'd be funny if, if I told, called her and told her a story, but anyway, I, I could have, sunk back in. I could have said, I, you know, freaked out. I could have been like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a failure in here. I didn't. I went back in. I held my head up. I actually called her on the phone, said, I, you know, understand your relationship. I am here for you. Um, she ended up working with me. We're great friends. That is the perseverance. That is having the confidence inside yourself to know it's not you. It, there, it had nothing to do with me. So just remember that people are lucky to work with you. I know I struggled immensely through this whole COVID thing, being all, we're all isolated. And there are days where you just lack that motivation. And I think my biggest piece of advice, what I literally would do is, you know, got my notebook right here, my to do, I would make my to-do list and I would say, by this time, you're going to do this. And I would slowly check them off and just keep, Keep going, keep putting that foot in front of the other. 
some things I may not have gotten to, but if I could have gotten to 10 of those tasks, I felt like it was a win. So give yourself grace, just keep going and persevere. Love that. Big deal. Love that. It is, there are so many common stories like that where people are heard one thing or, or they create their own narrative in their head, Debbie, like she doesn't like me. She loved that other rep. You actually had a phone call where they were like, it's a no. Some people just make the story up. No, yeah. I'm not going to call in that office. They'll never work with me or they're in a JV or they've been with their rep for 25 years. This story that we believe. So when you believe a negative story, an old story, and you've convinced yourself, then your work ethic and your action match it. Yep. What if your story was, she's going to love me. Yeah. And I'm going to bring her value. Yep. And we're going to have fun. And I'm going to be the rep that they like want in this office, right? What if that's your story? Then what space do you work from? It happened to me. It's exactly the mindset I had. And they're one of my best offices. You You just have to get past that, that narrative in your brain. Because half the time, that shit isn't even actually what's going on. Now, in my situation, picture it. She's calling the county manager and saying, I don't want her as my rep. And he said to her, give her a second chance. Give her, you haven't even given her a first chance. And if I had just said, nope, give it to somebody else, what would that have shown to anybody? What, why should I get any respect from anybody? Right? Right. Nope. They respected me more walking back in there. She respected me more by picking up the phone and saying, I'm here. It's all good. You're not going to take my birthday away. We're fine. You know, <laughs> it's true. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to take your birthday away. They're another human being. The funniest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> I, <laughs> I might use that. I do recycle okay. lines from time to time. You know, when I was in sales, I got a landed account that a, a, a title company was in for 20 years. And, um, they, everyone told me, I will never use you honest to God. Like literally I will ne- like, if someone lists a dog house and writes you a <laughs> title, I won't give it to you. I said, what if it's a birdhouse?" And then I make them laugh and I'm like, okay, you're funny. I go, right. You know? So I remember I taught a class. I was so excited. I put flyers all over. There's 180 agents. I put flyers in every bin on every desk and everything. I get a phone call from this gal who's like, I will never use you. You had six typos in your flyer. I just went to every bin and every desk. I ripped them all up. Why don't you learn spell check? Thanks. So I could have said, I'm not teaching the class. They hate me. I'm out. I went in, I changed the six typos. I reprinted in a different color, put them all back out. I was so excited. I went to my first class to teach. I get in there and there were three people that came in, two part-timers and one that does zero business. And I had a food spread. This is back when you could, you know, the nineties, I was like geared up. I had my, um, you know, agenda out in front of me. And I said to myself, there's a little voice that said, like the devil and the angel almost, right? <clears throat> the little devil's like, ah, get out of here. Don't waste your time, girl. Who cares? Don't bother. The angel was like, show them what you're made of. They might be friends or cousins with someone. And the next class will have five people. And the next will have 10. Like if you build it, they will come. So it was the same thing. I went through the same thing. And he did. <laughs> All the way to standing room only. By the time I retired. Okay, so Yay. Now, circling back, Adrian, what fears or challenges did you overcome in coaching? 
Like what was your so, biggest takeaway? Uh, well, but biggest takeaway definitely was um, organizing my time, time blocking like a boss. Thank you coach for that. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. down to every aspect of I have 30 minutes to put this laundry away. Like <laughs> yeah. think it takes over <laughs> and it makes me efficient and I just keep Bingo. going along. Um, and it's tough. I've got two little girls and a husband and a puppy and, you know, everything. So I keep it all on, on time. So time management, definitely my biggest takeaway using timers, um, that to this day I use, I have maybe five or six of them preset in my phone at all times. And I just, they're usually my regular time. So I don't have to go in and change anything, but those definitely keep me on track. Um, but I would say challenges are fear and coach, you're going to laugh. You already know this, but definitely letting shit go. Yeah. That literally freed my heart. <laughs> this is um, why she is on my desk. Elsa. Yeah. My Elsa doll. Yeah. Okay. For clients like Adrian, that's a big thing. You know why? It's the expectations are high and then yeah. we feel defeated. Def defeated, deflated and all that stuff. And we don't realize we are killing it as we are going up to this high octave. We hit so many milestones on the way up. And the part is that we hang on to, cause we're just like, really our brains were going to the finish line. And that was becoming so loud and so booming. You forgot to love the process. Yeah. So part of letting go and why I do my little Elsa from frozen and play the song from time to time. And look, this little bitch ain't on my shelf for no reason we all have to let things go from time to time and I just look up she gives me a wink and we go on with our day yeah right I think that was probably a big turning point in my life personally also because um you know like a light goes on just randomly one day and I remember this I remember the moment I was in my car I was listening to a book um in the car on the audible and he was talking about how you always come up in certain obstacles throughout your lifetime. And if you don't know how to cross that obstacle, you change paths and you maybe seek a new career path or, you know, change things around to go around the obstacle and not confront it. Well, it went off in my mind and it was letting things go because how many times, I mean, before I even got into this industry, I was a massage therapist. I was in call center management, lots of things, but I never could figure out how to let go of that obstacle. And then it just letting go of things really has opened up for other possibilities. You let somebody that is of no value or is not seeing your value come through, let them go and replace it with something new, replace it with a new opportunity, which opens another door and then another opportunity. So I think it's 100%. letting go will help open up things later. Love that advice. I love that. And that reminds me of how Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning, his rule is I give everything five minutes, kick, scream, yell, complain, hang on to it. Don't let it go. Get as pissed as I can. The five minutes are up. Ah, the exchanges. Gotta let it go. And the power we get back in our bodies and we're empowered once we do that action of actually letting go. I did a podcast on it. You were my inspiration, Adrian. Make sure you guys listen to that one. Cause that was, that is something that creeps up in everybody's life one way or another. It's just important. The power of letting go will set you free, baby. Uh, Laura, biggest fear that you had to overcome and challenges, biggest takeaway in coaching. Um, well, twofold there where you talked about challenging and biggest takeaway. I think they kind of tie together um, where 
calling those top producers. Oh my gosh, scary, right? Um, but I love what uh, uh, this always sticks in my mind that, you know, we all shit shower and shave just like everybody else. And <laughs> I say so we're like, okay, I got to get coaching. I know. <laughs> and it's those little things that stick with us, right? But, um, you know, I learned combat the no from you and you had us do an exercise in one of my courses where we had to read it out loud to ourselves a hundred times. And it was the perfect thing that I need because it gave me that opportunity to practice my, my speed on it, my reflection, my, you know, is that the right word? Reflection, right? Um, Just, yeah, there we go. Um, Just everything on it. So I got it to the point where there was no reason to be scared anymore or worry about calling these people because it just automatically came out of my mouth of what I was saying to them. And um, that became one of my most powerful tools that I learned in coaching because yeah, now I'm not afraid to pick up the phone. I'm not afraid to, you know, give me those, um, you know, rebuttals that I can throw out there and it, it makes all the difference in the world. And I think the fear for so many things went away by just doing that exercise. You know, I think it was also, I remember when we were in coaching and thanks for coming back to so many programs. Cause I love having you in my roster. I will say was there are times where it's about a belief. I felt sometimes I had to physically like grab your shoulders and go, girl, you be both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they want to work with you. Like you know what it is to be relentless in the pursuit of what you want. Take that here. That same mindset of wanting to be both. Take that here when you make that big call. And they are lucky to talk to you. Right? And I love it. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that ties into that, because you asked about, you know, biggest takeaway in coaching as part of that. And part of my fear was how do I keep in touch with everybody? And how do I, you know, stay top of mind and not lose track because that was a big fear when I first got into coaching because I had half a day of training literally and you know how do you do a job on something that you've only had about four hours worth of training on it was really tough and so you taught me project book and um, project book was such a game changer for me I told this to Lisa last week and it, it um, I have to share this story because it's the truth. And I think about this. I think about it. If my car were to be stolen and my project book was in it, <laughs> I would be more upset about losing my project book than I was my car. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I thought about that too, Laura. No joke. <laughs> yeah. It's my life. I would be, I would die without it. So, you know, it it follows me everywhere. And it's good to hear I'm not the only one that has those crazy thoughts. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And people are probably like, what's the project book? Well, you got to go into coaching to find out, you know? Um, Also, I don't roll out project book in every one of my courses. So if you took a course of mine and you're like, I didn't learn project book. Yeah, I got to come back. Um, But yeah, I I felt the same way. That was an absolute game changer. I mean, my clients named it the prospecting Bible. 
And for that, I'm like, I think that is something to be said. Thank you for that great share. Deb, tell us what your biggest fears or challenge were that you overcame in coaching. Well, first, getting through all that damn work. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Amen. All the ones that us of a now, job. They have no idea, right? They don't. None. What we went through. But I, here's the thing I'm going to say to that. I It was a lot. And I'm not going to say I, I had some tears um, some nights, but I always, I never, I never showed that to you. I never had an, I, you never got an excuse for me. Um, but I would say it made me a better person. It made me, yep. you, you once had the analogy, like you're on a treadmill and we're going to start it out really high. You're going to get into shape and you're going to get, it start you. I don't know if you remember that analogy, but you're like, we're getting on a treadmill and we're ramping it up and you're going to be running a marathon right out the gate because we're going to get you conditioned and in shape. And that's basically how it was the first couple of coaching. See, you could do a like, retro coaching session. <laughs> you want to be in the top I say do it again. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that was a big challenge because, you know, we still had, I mean, it was a lot and you still had a lot to do shit, just whittling my thousand clients into my project, which here it is. Oh, <laughs> beauty. Look at that beauty. Oh, we have another one. You guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing project books. project books are flying in the screen. There's a pro oh, there's another one. And there's a third. Project book connected to the hip. My girls right here. I, love so it. I would say, I would say three, three of my biggest takeaways. Number one, project book, because yeah. you're right. You know, how many times before we had this tool, would you, I mean, we're hundreds of clients, right? When you're in title sales, you, you don't have just seven clients. You know, you're not like a real estate agent working with 20 people. You've got hundreds of people. And I don't know how many times I'd be driving down the road and I'd be thinking about all of a sudden somebody would come into my brain and I'd be like, oh my God, I've talked to them in 30 days. They haven't been, I haven't seen them, right? And then, and then you just feel horrible because you feel like you're not giving any attention or whatever. And this just makes it so purposeful. I teach this to my agents all the time and they love it, love it, which love is, it. Which is the second part of that thing is that it's good for real estate agents too. Yep. home run. Mm -hmm. Which oh, brings, I love it. Oh, I love which it. Which brings so me to takeaway two, which was my biggest thing. I think that pro projected me up to top 2% would be that the, the nuggets that you gave us for our agents to bring to their business. And that, I mean, just so many of them that I could incorporate. Mm -hmm. So I love that. What a great share. Thank you so much. That was so fun. It's just so neat because people also think people up at the top don't have challenges and fears. And issues. So thank you for your honesty and being raw about that, you guys, because it matters and makes a difference, especially to our listeners who are just might be struggling, you know, on certain things and feel like, gosh, I'm doing this. I'm never going to get there. But you do, you know, it is a climb. <clears throat> and love Can I process. add something to that, Lisa? Yes, of course. So, you know, I'm big on affirmations. Yes. Um, and that's something that I've always used um, in my business is I feel like if you believe you are, then you are. Um, yeah. Oh, are deserving of the abundance of life, then you are deserving of that. If you release what no longer serves you, you are releasing that. So I feel like if first step is believing that you can do it and that everything else just comes. What did you that say you are, 
you are what you are. What'd you say? Yeah. Well, I, I said you are what you believe you are. Are you a winner? Do you believe you can win? Do you think you should win? Yes, I am a winner. Okay. Am I um, deserving of the abundance of what life can bring to me? Yes, I am deserving of that. You know, I, my biggest one is I release what no longer serves me. And that is just like a burden of weight off my chest. And, you know, so I feel if you believe hundred percent in yourself, then your confidence grows. People see that. And then you just start to attract like-minded people. And of course, putting the work in, it just mm -hmm. comes naturally. Once you start to believe in yourself. Agreed. Love that so much. You gave me the chills. So now you made it right. That's why you guys are here. You made to your big audacious goal. So what the world wants to know is what's your next big goal? right? Because once we hit it, there's sometimes where people hit it and go, I'm good. I hit it. And that's okay too. That's okay too. But also there could be another chapter or another thing that you want to try out. Sometimes goals aren't a number one or a dollar amount or whatever. Sometimes goals are being happy and free and joyful. Sometimes goals are, you know, personal stuff, you know, with things. So to me, I'm just open to what is going to get you guys in that mode of the, you know, your want is so big that the work becomes irrelevant. <clears throat> Laura, I'm going to start with you. What's the next big thing for Laura? You know, this is, I'm in a really good place right now and I'm not number one right now, I'm number two, but it's okay. But so that kind of is out of my wheelhouse. And, and you really gave me something to think about last week, Lisa, and I've been thinking about it a lot of what's my why. And um, I haven't figured it out yet. And I need to um, get to that place of figuring it out. I love being able to see my revenue and my orders grow. And that's still happening. And my revenue goal, I'd love to get to 3 million um, and be able to hit that and, um, be able to be like Debbie and be in top two. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Sometimes we have to sit back too and go, you know what? I need to figure out my why. And that's kind of where I'm at right now of, of honestly just evaluating and figure out what is it. I'm really glad you brought that up. The majority of the people in this business, they the majority of the people in this business do not know their why. Or they say the why that they expect us all to say, you have kids that are your kids. You have a husband or your husband. It's that, it's this. My kids are my priority. I love them more than anything in the entire world, but are they what gets me up out of bed in the morning to pursue an incredible day where I get to achieve my goals? No, they're a part of it, but in an indirect way. And when I tapped on that real true why for me, it set my soul on fire. My why is financial freedom. I don't want to be paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to be struggling. I don't want to not buy that shirt or those shoes or go on that trip. I don't want that. When I was younger, my mom gave me 50 cents. Everybody else's parents gave me 20 bucks. I was like, can I borrow? Can I borrow? Ah, you know, I stem from something as a child that... I will not live that life. And that gets me up out of bed and in the morning. Did you hear me say Adelaide and Eloise? No, I love my kids more than anything. They're my, my loves. And I mean everything, but that financial freedom is my burn. 
It's the driver. It's the, I don't care who says what, who says no, I'll call someone else. You don't want to coach? Cool. You want to? Let's go. You don't, it doesn't matter. Like it, see me set off right now? That's, that's a driver. And that driver is so clear. People have all kinds of drivers. If you listen to my uh, video, uh, my podcast I did with Ken Baum, I did him on a spotlight and then he came on my podcast. He talks about the driver is the everything in the pursuit of hitting your actual real want and goal. So I'm so glad you said that there is tons of people who are not clear or they say a goal like my kids and then it doesn't set their soul free in the morning and they don't figure out why because they love them so much they want them to be it you got to figure out what that's about and you're so bright lisa and i'm so glad we're having this conversation because you know i could blow smoke up your skirt Mm -hmm. right and tell you anything you wanted to hear like you were saying but i think there are those times too that sometimes we just need to take that time and go I got to figure this out and it's so okay. I'm going to give goal? myself that time to figure out my why. Yes. <laughs> We're going to be doing some more coaching. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're going to discover it. That is fantastic. Thank you. Debbie, what is your next big goal? Um, I'm kind of like you, Lisa. I'm financial driven. I think my big why is I truly want to be the best. I want to be the best in my industry. I want to be the, like if i like I want to be the number one rep for, for FNF. That is my ultimate goal. So whatever that means, I don't know. I don't even know what that, that is up there. But um, I am hoping to be at 7 million. That's my goal. Nice. Wow. Oof. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> um, I love that. Even after over three decades of being in the business and the industry, that there is still another revenue driver for you. Because girl, I can't tell you many people I've coached that go, I hit 4 million, I wanna just stay at 4 million coach. I'm good here, like get me on a maintenance program so I don't lose clients. Cause remember you guys, your maintenance clients are on somebody else's target list. So this person is like, just keep me there. So I just, that's so fascinating. Again, it's your work ethic shining through that says we can, we still have more in us before we hang up our Jersey. Thank you for that. You know what? If you're not growing, you're dying. You all need to remember that. That's awesome. I just said that in a presentation today. (laughs) Adrian, next (laughs) goal, next big audacious goal. Uh, well, I'm really working hard to meet my yearly goal. Um, we're on track, we're above track. So that's good. Um, I, I have a, I, how do I say I'm tongue tied right now. I'm agreeing a little with Laura. I'm in a good spot right now. I'm trying to really, um, build quality over quantity. I really want to squeeze everything I can out of the relationships that I do have. In addition to being more present really with my kids and my family. Um, so that being said, I've had to kind of automate work stuff so that it can fully be functional while I am, you know, at soccer practice and while I am uh, taking off at four o'clock to take my older daughter to volleyball. So shifting and adjusting some things to make it automated so that I can spend more time with my kids because I feel like right now as a, as a very formative time for them. Um, so definitely spending more quality time with my family, um, coworkers, 
right now our company just had a loss. One of our girls, um, you know, we lost her to COVID. So that's I'm really sorry. kind of shook us, you know, to our core. So just having those solid relationships with our coworkers, friends, family, and really am I working to live or living to work? You know, so that's really put that in perspective a lot as far as still keeping my foot on the gas and staying, you know, alert of my goals, but just really trying to look around me and see what matters most. I love that you brought that up because we do shift, you know, and it's different. Like Debbie's kids have grown up and moved out and have lives and families. That are, you know, th this is, we all get to choose right now. Adrian and I have the same age kids yeah. and I struggle even as a working mommy, like that I'm not a part of all the stuff and the parts. And I realized for me in 2020, as all the shifting was going on in 2021, I really got better with the clarity of my goal too, which one of my goals was being present, more present, more quality time. Like you are striking something in me, which is a new challenge in my life, a new big goal that I get to shut it off and not work so much on the weekends and the nights. And I have for 30 years, I have always worked nights and weekends and pounded and put kids down really quick to run back here. And I'm just like, I am, I'm missing it. I'm missing sunsets. I'm missing breathable moments with my kids. You know, I'm, I'm missing that stuff. Working mamas, I'm so glad you got to hear that from the killer herself, Miss Adrian, who all she knows what to do is hit big audacious goals is stopping to go, well, no breathing and spending quality time with my kids is my next big goal. And so is mine. And that is so cool because we get to make that a good top priority. Financial freedom is something that worked for me through sales. And even as a coach, you know, just that feeling of, I love that. It, it got me up and out of bed in the morning, but as it shifts, you get to check in. That's why I said, what's your next big goal? We get to shift. And my big goal is if I can feel happy, free and present, I, I'm the richest person in the world. What more do you need? I love that so much. Um, who else? Who didn't do their last big goal? Debbie, you did. you did. Oh, you all did. Okay, good. Um, all right. We're almost done here. Two more minutes, two more minutes. What great advice do you have for salespeople that are new? What's your best advice? Laura, what's your best advice for a new person? Okay. I had to write some down on this one for sure. Um, you know, I think Learning from your mistakes or challenges has taught me more than anything else in the whole world. So what's the saying? Um, I'll fall down seven times, stand up eight. Yes. It's so true because I think that's every day I learn something new. And that's such a great thing that we get in this job. Things change all the time and it's different challenges and different um, things that come up. So just never giving up and just always, you know, standing back up again and no matter what, just do it. Um, and it tied in, you know, it's funny of the things that we've talked about so far, because a lot of it, I think whether you're a veteran or you're brand new, we have to have the same foundation. We have to have the same energy. We have to, you know, go after the same people. If you want to continue to grow, like you were saying, Adrian doing two hours a day on prospecting, she has to do that this far into her career where a brand new person would need to do it as well. Um, but I think it's just, just keep it going and don't give up. 
don't take anybody off until they tell you to just, you know, keep moving forward. Love that. Thank you so much. Debbie, what advice do you have for somebody who's new or even experienced? Sure. Um, A couple things. So if you're brand new, my biggest advice would be to learn your craft. You need to sit in customer service. You need to sit in escrow. You need to sit in, in title and you need to understand how our business works. I think a lot of times newer reps come in and they don't really learn our business. You have to remember you're an advocate for that client. They are looking to you for solutions. Never, ever, ever pawn a problem off on somebody else inside the organization. Go back to your title officer, come up with a solution and be the person that's calling that client back. That's how you're going to build that trust. That's how you're going to build that confidence and that respect that they're going to want from you. They don't want, they don't want you to just be passing them on. So definitely learn your craft. Number two, build your relationships. My business is successful because of the relationships I have with people. When you build those strong relationships, you're going to gain grace from them because we are going to make mistakes. We are always going to make mistakes. They are also going to be your cheerleader and they're going to be the person that gives you referrals. I get so many referrals now. I don't even have to prospect new agents. I, they, they are referred to me. So definitely build your relationships. And to my experience, reps, if you're still sitting where you're at, stop doing the things you're doing. Stop doing the definition of insanity. Take a look at your business, figure out what you're doing and change it up. Get out of your own way and get out of your comfort zone. Okay. The things that made me successful are doing things afraid and doing things other people aren't afraid to are afraid to do. So change it up. Don't keep doing it. Don't look and go like, I want to get to top two. And yet I'm not doing anything in my day to change what I'm doing in order to get there. So that's my biggest. I love that. Great advice on both sides. I love that so much. Thank you so much for that. Great, great advice. Adrian question for you. In life or in business, what do you know for sure? Hmm, this is a favorite question that you asked of the of us. So my <laughs> yeah, thing, I love this one. <laughs> what I do know for sure is change is always constant. Change will always be there. Nothing lasts forever. Tables always turn. So you must relish in the moment because things can change in a second. Be okay with it and embrace it. And I'm getting emotional. Um, Look for the positive in it because there's always positive. Um, Crave it and rise from it and be so confident in your abilities that that can change and make you better. Your abilities are going to make you change and make you better in any adversity. And there's one of my favorite quotes that I found for you, coach, because I know you like quotes. This says, out of adversity comes opportunity. That's Ben Franklin. And another one um, that I really like is change, adjust your sales. So the pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change, but the realist will always adjust the sales. So I found that if you find people who weather the storms with you, those are the ones that you keep close. Those are the ones that are going to build. And then you come up for air 10 years later, and you've built something so bulletproof, nobody can take that from you. So it's the relationship and be vulnerable with it. It's okay to be open and express your wins and challenges because that will make you stronger. 
Oh, I love that so much. You just, you just got, you pull my heartstring right there. <laughs> so change is a good thing, even if it's, you know, in the times that we are and the things that we're facing right now, there's always a good behind it. It's going to make you better and stronger. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I really, I feel deja vu right now. I feel in the dream I had as these three beauties were here on my panel, that it closes with Adrian, with her giving us a message that we all need to hear in our hearts. Thank you for that. Ladies, <clears throat> it was my honor to be here today with you, to hear your insight, to hear your trial tribulations, you know, stumbles, falls, pickups, and successful wins. You guys are all super stars in my book. I am in awe of your success, your determination to get there. I love watching you all pivot too and where you're going from here. I love you all. I appreciate you all. And thank you for being here. Love you, coach. Love you too. Thank you. Love you, coach. Love you guys. Bye, ladies. Thank you. Bye-bye.